Welcome to the GMT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another GMT Show. And once again, I am joined by my co-host with the most. I'm T, and I'm joined by my co-host with the most. A man who this week brought back memories of his halcyon days when he saw the streakers at the football. G. <laughs> The crowd roar was so loud that I felt like taking my top off. I'm good, thanks. How are you, T? I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, Gee, I'd like to ask you a question. Would you like to share <laughs> with the listeners the last time you streaked at a football apparently game? Apparently, I look like the streaker at the State of Origin in 2007. No, apparently about it. You are the streaker from Origin, Watty. Watty This Hammond, week has been a difficult name? week for you because you have been reminded constantly that you are the streaker from origin and you cost new south wales a try yeah. <laughs> apparently so when i mentioned this to your son and i showed him a picture he didn't dismiss it out of hand the resemblance no he didn't strangely but um just on oh, that you strangely. know <laughs> just on that right like is that the greatest a little bit of Waddy, a little bit of todd payton that's correct. A better looking Todd Payton, uh, naked Todd Payton. Was that probably the best streaker ever at the footy? Waddy? Oh, well, Waddy's got yeah. a history of it. He's a professional streaker. If you don't know about Waddy, Google him. He is an icon in streaking Read the story. Terms. It's fan- fantastic. And his dream as a New Zealander as well was to streak in an All Blacks game. But I have to say, like, you know, looking at Stadium Australia or whatever it's called now, that, that's a pretty long field to run you know, uninterrupted for 100 metres. It was brilliant. Fantastic. But you did an amazing job. You showed a fleet of foot when you streaked at Origin that others I did could not match. By the way, I think the streaker at the Gold Coast was fantastic. Can awesome. we get to that Great in work. a second? Should we start with the streakers then? Okay, may as well. Yeah, okay. start off with a bit of levity. Okay, there were two streakers. There's a streaker <laughs> yes. crisis. There is. In the NRL so. this week. Now, in the Para-Titans game, which nearly gave me a heart attack, yes. a female streaked and got absolutely polaxed. She, she did. And then I believe in the Sharks-Tigers game, there was another streaker yes. on the field. Yes, there was. Yep. And Phil Gould and everyone else of his era shaking their fist at the cloud said, and, and they carried a flare, and he said... yes. What if she passed on COVID? Now, that's what Phil said online. Phil, at that point when you're naked and streaking across the field, COVID may be the least of everyone's concerns. I've got to be honest with you, Phil. Fantastic. Oh, Phil Gould, I love you. Seriously. He's great. What could go wrong with this brain trust at the Bulldogs? Apparently plenty if you watch the footy. What made me laugh about the streaker was, you know, just some of her comments was, you know, she didn't mind the big hit. She absolutely got poleaxed. And she said that the tackle was fine and has advocated for the security person to keep their job. Yeah, well, that's good. And apparently it was on her bucket list. Is she married to Watty? I don't know, but she had an out-of-body experience and hearing the crowd roar made her want to take her top off. So... Apparently, she loved every minute of it. And if I were Justin Holbrook, considering how shit the, t- the Titans' defense is, I'd look at her in the security guard. I mean, their defense is woeful. It's a great tackle. Great tackle. I mean, I must admit, yeah, it was a great tackle. The security guard was fantastic. Well, he might he might do better in defense than Dave Fafita is going for them. But, what, but gee, what if she had COVID <laughs> and spread it? Well, the security guard's got it now. <laughs> That's probably what happened. <laughs> And then the other guy with the flare, back to the halcyon days of the NSL, the National Soccer League, with the flares. Fantastic. I've got a serious point to make about that. Where's the outrage at that? 
that used to exist in the old NSL. I remember, remember all the police. We've got disproportionate amount of police at the games. Oh, they're hooligans, all the flares, all that sort of stuff. Where is all that for the NRL? Other than Phil Gould being worried about <laughs> worried about COVID. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Watching the footy from the sideline and getting ready to tackle. I just thought it was interesting though and somewhat ironic that he came on with a, a Stop the Fires t-shirt and then had a flare which is capable of igniting a fire. But anyway. All right. Shall we get, shall we get a bit going? Of a, a bit of excitement though. Well, well, this week in the news has made up, has made up for the quiet week we had last week. I'll start with a couple of bit of news out of Manly. Tommy Turbo. MCL injury. Yeah. He's out for up to eight weeks. Latrell Mitchell yes. got hurt on the weekend with a hamstring Correct. injury. That also looks yep. like he's going to be out for eight weeks. They could both miss Origin, or at least the first. They probably will. Probably yep. will, so at least we'll the first game. we'll be looking game. for a new centres pairing in Origin. First of all, what are your comments on Latrell and Tommy's injury? And then who would you have playing centre if we can't pick either of them? Or both of them? It depends on form. I'm very much, let's look at form and see who's playing the best. Gee, but we're in I round don't... five and the first Origin game is like four weeks away. Because I'll, I'll tell you who it shouldn't be. I don't think it should be Zach Lomax. He would have been my first pick, but he's actually been relatively poor so far this year. I actually would pick Matt Burden. And what if they're both out? Well, then we're in trouble. <laughs> in trouble. It's, it's actually a difficult question. No, I, I'm not, not really sure. No, it's I'd, not because you haven't pick... done any research into it. And once again, I didn't even think showing... about this. You didn't. No. Of course, why? It just happened no. in the NRL. Yeah, you were too busy of watching course. the ice skating. Um, <laughs> the curling, actually. But yeah. Oh, right, right, right. But it'd probably be Bratman Best. Gee, do you follow the football? I do. Do I you? Just like the Let me give some players. names before you get to Bradman Best, okay? <laughs> Let me give you some names before you get to Bradman Best. How about Stephen Crichton? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. No, no. I've got some more names for you. How about Katoni Staggs? Well, he's played one good game all year. Yeah, but I mean, he was he was on the edge of origin before, right? So He was, yes. Yeah, I agree with you on Matt, but what about Gutho? I wouldn't play Gutho in the centres. I, I don't think it suits him at all. His limitations get exposed at centre. So you would rather have Bradman Best at an origin centre than Gutho? Gutho would be solid, but he won't add what he usually adds to a footy, footy match in the centres. It just doesn't suit him. Okay, so your, your centre pairing, if Tommy Turbo is out, is Bradman Best? I was thinking of that side hold of on, the field. Hold it, on, hold no, on. And Matt on. Burton. No, it should be Matt Burton and Stephen Crichton. That's who I pick. I think Stephen Crichton's rounded back into form this year. He's been sensational. All right. Well, Bradman Best and uh, Matt Burton. I, I reckon <laughs> if you put odds on that, you'll lose your money because Stephen no one, Cr- no yes, one is going to pick Bradman Best no, and, St- and Matt Burton as the centre combination. <laughs> of Stephen Crichton and you've Matt Burton. You've come in off the back fence. And once again, without even mentioning it, G, you've shown to our listeners that you don't follow the footy. All right. If that does happen, I, I suggest that you actually streak. And take your top off if the crowd's roaring. I don't think so. I don't want to intimidate the other men in the crowd. Of course. Okay. So, DCE signed a two-year contract extension. There was talk of it making it four years. DCE will be 36 at the end of this two-year contract because he's got a couple of seasons to go or a season to go. And then he'll be 38 if they do decide to extend for another couple of years. Probably not a wise idea to extend him for um, another couple of years. 38. I mean, look. Would you even realise or think that he's that old at the way he's playing at the moment? But, you know, you age very quickly in your mid-30s in an athletic sport. Well, my view my view is this, right? It depends on which footy is being played. If it's last year's footy, then I think it'll get harder the older it gets because the game's so quick. If it's this year's footy, where the game's slowed down a little bit, wrestles back in the game then I think you, you probably can go a little bit longer. That's It depends on the pace of the game for me. Yeah, I think that's a good point because if you go back historically, and I know plays are different, but it was very much a young man's sport. Where the, if, when it quickened up, you, you found a lot of the older players 
weren't able to keep up when they hit their early 30s. So it was um, an exception to be a mid-30s player and still be playing first grade. So I think now with all the the modern nutrition and science behind a lot of it, you can probably extend your career a little bit. But 38, I mean, you're looking at Cliff Lyons territory, you know what I mean? That's right. That's exactly what you're looking at. And he's really unique still to this day. So I I don't know, 38's probably pushing it, I'd say. But another two years, I think you'd be okay. I've got a lot of news about the dogs, which we might save for a bit later. Should we start with some of the bad news from the week? Yes, you can. I've got to let in um, Misty. She's back, the cat. There oh, there she is. I can hear her. If aliens landed on your front lawn, they would absolutely think the cat is the superior species. <laughs> she's not a bad cat. They would she's think good. you are yes. the pet and the cat is the superior species. The cat woman. The cats dominate this society here on Earth. Shall we talk about some of the some of the atrocities again? Yes, unfortunately, yes. Tylan May uh, was charged by Queensland Police on the 15th of March. He will appear in court in May with assault occasioning bodily harm after sticking up for teammates after the 2021 grand final win. Interestingly enough, he hasn't been stood down under the no-fault scheme. They can't. He's playing too good. <laughs> You know what I mean? Penrith, Penrith will now, fight Ty- it. Now, Tylan May's brother is Tyrone May. Oh, he's got to be. He's got to be careful, right? Because the Panthers have already shown that they do respond to public pressure and can. Gee, given how interested you are in this cat, would you like to do a recording another time? No, it's biting me. Go. Have you got any thoughts on Tylan May? <laughs> Number one, I guess they're probably doing investigations. It took so long to to charge him. It's taken a while, but this is this no fault stand down, like. When do they did they selectively apply this? I shouldn't be surprised it's the NRL, but you know I guess Penrith is not going to stand him down because you know he's been absolutely sensational for the Panthers this year. To be honest, he's been brilliant. Oh, he's been excellent. He's been excellent, but that doesn't excuse the stuff that's been going on off the field. Not at all. Agree with you. Now the NRL is just random. Like this is why they never ever are consistent with any of this type of stuff. It depends, in my opinion, always on how big the media kerfuffle is about things, and they re- they're reactionary. So this is just another example. Fair enough, G. All right, I will come to another piece of terrible news. Uh, Marcel Montoya has been re- referred directly to the judiciary for making an alleged homophobic slur in the Warriors yes. game on the weekend. This was disappointing on many, many, many levels. The future of this sport is about inclusiveness and about equality, and it's just a shame that this is the attitude that some players still have out there, if it's true. Agree 100%. I mean, you know, it's still going to be investigated, but I think... Um, no, well, it's gone straight to the judiciary. There's not even a charge against it. He'll go for weeks. I mean, if he's, do- if he's done I it... I think so. And I, and I think he's, by his statements in public, he's admitting to it, you know, he it will. this will be a long suspension. I mean, how is it any different from... From making a color racial based, comment, yeah, well, racial not, comment, it isn't, right? right? It's dis, it's a discriminatory comment. So, and I, it was good to see Ian Roberts sort of, you know, make a, a statement about. Well, that. Well, he wouldn't have he probably wouldn't about, have said it to Ian Roberts in fairness. Or <laughs> Ian Roberts, you know, you hear about stereotypes about you know you know gay people and stuff like he was the toughest mofo you could ever think of. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely fantastic. Oh, I mean, I've, I've seen you streak at Origin. It's not pretty. No, but he did play for the the mean mascot Jets back in the day. So. Now, 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 can I just compare? When he was playing for mascot Jets and you streaking in 2012, the body fat composition's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, they they had the, they didn't have the calipers way back then. But, did um, they? Did they? No. They'd be some big bloody calipers, let me tell you. Just on that, very disappointing. But I also kind of hope they use it as a an opportunity for education for Marcel and Montoya as well. I, I don't think... A sole punishment is the answer in that instance. You know what I mean? I think it's a little bit of I think of they've got to be very a combination careful of both. That they come down hard on this one. I think they've got to be seen to be doing the right thing on this one. 
Absolutely, but I think also it's a chance to maybe get him out there and you know do some community work, you know, with we with, with Oh yeah, that's youth. a good idea. So, you know, like that type of stuff. Community. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it's it's a bit of an educational opportunity as well as you know suspending, but just the suspension. I mean, what does that really do? It sends a message, but it doesn't change your behaviour necessarily, you know, or uh, open up his mind, I guess. So. Hopefully that sorts itself out and, you know, Marcelo Montoya has made a mistake and hopefully he learns from it. All right. Speaking of opening up your mind. Yes. Should we do the Canterbury Bulldogs? Oh, Jesus. Here's the rumor, G, from the Canterbury Bulldogs. The rumor is that Kikau and Maloney are yet to be registered for 2023 by the NRL because the Bulldogs are actually at the moment over the salary cap with those two signings in FY23, which means they have to get rid of some people to make those two fit in the salary cap. And in the next story, the very next day, the rumour was Cam Munster is also going to the Bulldogs. Wow, okay. Well, this is great. Look, So, so you, you can't fit, you can't fit <laughs> Kikau and, and Maloney. And Marnie, this sorry. This is brilliant. You can't so fit Kikau and Marnie into the cap, right? The very yep. next day, Cam Munster, sneaky chance to go to the Bulldogs. With what money? Well, I think... This um, dynasty restaurant is like Crown Casino in Melbourne. It's brilliant. It's magic. In fact, I think um, they leave Aldi bags lying around. <laughs> Apparently, you can fit $5 million in cash. And then they go, oh, it's okay. They're going to be able to afford it because Paul Vaughan may not be re-signed, <laughs> who was signed on a cut price $400,000 deal. Listen, and that is miraculously going to free up $1.2 million in the cap for Cam Munster. Correct. Phil Gould, I love you. I am so happy that you're bringing all the, the way to run a professional club from the Roosters way back to the Bulldogs domain now. And we're going to be charging for the premiership in a couple of years with basically the State of Origin squad. Thanks, Phil. It's amazing. This salary cap you've got is amazing. <laughs> Can I ask you a serious question, though, about this? Yes. Given there are now, like, it appears to be 16 different owners at Canterbury of the Dynasty restaurant, does it make decision-making for the restaurant hard? <laughs> like, when they've got to change the menu, do they, do they have to run it past Cam Munster, Kikau, Reed Marnie? I'm not sure, actually. I, I think Phil Gould makes the decision. Oh, good segue, oh, G. Good segue God. into Phil Gould making decisions because I'm not finished with the Bulldogs yet. Oh, yeah. I'm not getting there yet. I'm not getting there yet. I'm not getting there yet. I'm going to build up to it. So the NRL Fox guys on NRL 360 absolutely hammered Trent Barrett about picking Kyle Flanagan. The fact that he... It has a duty of care to Kyle Flanagan. They bring him back into first grade against the Premiers. It's not really giving him a chance. He hasn't... Yeah, that's a load of shit, though. He hasn't trained for one minute with Matt Burton in the off-season. They haven't trained at all during the off-season as a halves pair. Yes, that doesn't surprise me. And then they absolutely gave to him. I don't think Trent Barrett trained anybody during the off-season by the look of what I'm seeing on the field. They didn't spend their time working on attack. I can put it to you that way. No, they didn't. So absolutely hammered him. And Phil Gould decided to return serve. Defend, defend his coach's honour. And he did yes. that by revealing that actually, before he picked Kyle Flanagan, Trent Barrett, have you seen the movie Annie, where he goes, please, sir, I can I have my some coach more? So, so much. it was Phil Gould up on a pedestal. That was Oliver. And Annie. Oliver, sorry, whatever. Oh, fuck it. I make an 80s movies reference that you get. I ask you to name a state of origin setter, <laughs> and you go, Steve Ella. Catching up. I'm catching up. Yeah, Steve Ella. He's great. Looks fantastic. Like Oliver, please, sir, can I have some more? He had little baby Kyle Flanagan in a pram. And he went up to Phil Gould and he said, <laughs> can, I, can I please pick Kyle Flanagan? And Phil revealed that he had taken personal accountability for Kyle Flanagan. And 
In my mind, I've got this picture of like The Simpsons, the Bigger Brother episode, where Phil's just hanging out with him at an arcade. They're playing Nintendo together, going down to the snooker halls. And, you know, Phil's imparting his wisdom. If you play your cards right, Kyle, you could be a cross between Shane Flanagan, your dad and me. I don't know what to say, to be honest. He defended it by basically defending his coach by throwing... Yeah, and emasculating his coach at the same time. I've taken sole control of this. I don't trust the coach to look after our playmaker. That the coach selected and then ostracized totally. I think the Fox guys were totally out of line. Their commentary has no rationale. If he's going to get picked, he's going to get picked. So you're critical of them having no rationale? Well, that's their standard MO. So have you listened to yourself back on the podcast? No, I don't. But, (laughs) I mean, like, they're... um, when I do the editing, I hear enough of myself. Oh, guys, and can I can just for our listeners, G does the editing, and he edits out his worst bits every week. Anyway, look for me, what they said about training with as a harsh pairing, etc., has some validity. But the fact that whether it gets picked against the Panthers or whoever, that's just rubbish. That's stupid commentary because if he's going to get picked, he's going to get picked. Yeah, yeah, he'd want to play first grade, right? I mean, of course, he, he does. Play first right? grade? He is the best half in the club. Always has been. But well, I thought he did. I thought he did okay. Except he didn't I don't think the structure. Badly. I think the structure doesn't help him. But anyway, we'll get to that in the game. Yeah, we'll get to that in the game. All right, let's keep going. The Kiwis and the Warriors look like they've come up with a truce. The Kiwis will play a test on the 25th of June against Tonga. So sanity has prevailed. Oh, that's he, great. It's it's good solution. Good that they've agreed and you come to a truce. I think it's excellent rather than having them at each other's throats because it's, they need to work together to grow the game in New Zealand. Let's record this as the week before the game. All the Warriors players pull out. <laughs> Let's, let's remember this, okay? I have a lot more cynical than you are. All right. All right. Now, I'll, I'll do a couple of more serious news, and then I will get to the funny one, the major funny one that involves the yes. white shoe brigade up in Brisbane. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. So, so the Australian Rugby League Commission sent a letter to the New South Wales Rugby League, and we've been going on about this for weeks. After yes. a review from the Silk Brett Walker, which found that the New South Wales Rugby League acted outside its constitutional process, asking for fresh elections to take place by 4pm on the 8th of April. Otherwise, the Australian Rugby League Commission will withdraw its funding. Now, the unusual nature of this request wasn't that the fact that the letter was coming. It was the fact that they sent the letter on the 5th of April, asking them to hold fresh elections by the 8th of April. Now, did the letter even get there by the 8th of April? <laughs> it's a remarkably short period of time. Uh, gee, I'd like you to hold fresh elections by 5pm yesterday. And if you haven't, <laughs> I'm withdrawing funding. If ever you wanted some sort of indication of why and how this is happening, that's probably a good indication of it. And as a result, New South Wales Rugby League's actually rejected the Australian Rugby League Commission's position and funding has now been pulled and the NRL has taken control of the New South Wales Blues, G. Wow. Okay, that's a big development. It is a, it is a massive development. It's about eight days old, though, so I know you've, you've really kept up yeah, with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But, but there, is some, there, is, there is silver lining in this because you've got to imagine it, right? It's one all in mm. origin. The game's tied at halftime in game three. <laughs> a bit of a landy's come And the emperor, like the Coliseum. <laughs> Makes his appearance in the New South Wales sheds and delivers a Russell Crowe style of gladiator speech. Just talks about the virtues of rugby league to James Tedesco and the Blues. And they go out and absolutely hammer the Queenslanders in the second half. That I'm looking forward to as part of this. It's going to happen. If they're in charge, that gives the Emperor free reign to do what he wants. So he'd probably turn up in the sheds or run out to referee. 
The, the State of Change Origin your rules. Change trophy your rules is going to be renamed the Peter Volandis Trophy. It will be. Just crazy development, to be honest. Just silly. I know we spoke about bigger issues in terms of who controls the game. and They need to work together. You know what I mean? It's just silly. It's silly for the game. Well, it's the clubs. The clubs want the money, right? They, of they course they do. do. Better. So speaking of Peter Volandis, the emperor. Yes. The emperor came out after an email, after receiving an email about the wrestle from a fan. The fan signed it, G. And all of a sudden, remarkably, completely coincidentally this week, we saw a remarkable increase in six agains this week. Yes, It's a coincidence completely. Yes, we did. It's completely a coincidence. You know what? Let's just email him. If we don't like something, fuck talking about it. Let's just email him. Things will change. Well, he hasn't done anything with the jersey prices. Remember, we're looking at it as an Australian Rugby League Commission. Rugby League. He's a bit behind on that. So... Just just while we're speaking about jerseys, do yourself a favor, check out the Anzac Day jersey from Parramatta. It looks like a Ken Hart. You know the Socceroos jersey from Yes. Yes, yes. the famous Socceroos jersey. It looks like that. Was that Pro Hart? Was Pro it Hart, sorry, Pro Hart. Oh, Ken, Pro I, Hart. I got him okay. mixed up. Well, One can, of can, we just call, can we just call him Ken Hart? We will. Well, Ken Hart, it's both of them. Let's let's cup couple more news and then then we'll get to the big one. Um we might actually you know what, guys, we're gonna mix it up next week. Next week G is gonna do the news segment. That'll be a very short segment. So let's okay. I don't next see the week, listen here. Next week <laughs> G is doing the news segment. <laughs> Okay, go, okay. Go. Let's just see what go. we come up with G in the news segment. What was the news? I don't know if you know Not this, much, but the actually. US has arrayed, invaded Iraq and they're going after Saddam Hussein. The Lakers, the Lakers have recruited this guy, Kobe Bryant. He's meant to be pretty good. Anyway, yes, go. You're doing the news next week. I can't wait for it. So, okay. All right, Herbie Farnworth. We've been talking about the Redcliffe. The rumour is he's actually going to sign with Redcliffe Dolphins to play um, right centre because he wants to play Good right centre and Katoni Stags. Well, he hasn't signed yet, but um, that's my view as well. Herbie Farnworth is the type of player you can build your, your uh, future around and the love bug beetle comes in handy on weekends too. Shall we move on from Herbie Farnworth? Uh, yeah. Yes, we should. Do you think that the Bulldogs can fit him under salary cap too? Good segue. Good segue. <laughs> Matt Dufty took exception yes. to Zach Lomax and Blake Laurie's comments on Fletch and Hindy on the Matty Johns show last week. Mm. Apparently he's fuming about it. And the good thing is it didn't let him affect his performance on the weekend. I have to say, I'm a Matt Dufty fan. He has his flaws, but he had a shocker. His shocker, shocker is four levels above how he yeah, played on the weekend. Just not a good game by little Matt Dufty. By all accounts, now Zach Lomax and Blake Laurie absolutely gave it to him for having... They said he's got multiple personalities. They gave the impression that he's really difficult to work with. And apparently he took it quite personally. But hopefully he'll feel better after meeting with Phil after that performance on the weekend at Dynasty Restaurant. Not that Phil coaches the side. No, so... Phil might put his arm around Matt Dufty the way he did with Kyle Flanagan. It's like, um, you know, when the head gangsters, you know, meet at the Chinese restaurant in some of the movies, that'll be like Dynasty Chinese Restaurant. Someone at the NRL's got to go, this is an unusually high turnover for a Chinese restaurant at Belmore Luke's Club. <laughs> This restaurant's turning over 120 million. Whatever it is, I think Kikau's going to be sponsored by whoever makes the dumplings for the restaurant. So, if he puts on any weight, you'll know why. Are you Free still dumplings. on Matt Dufty Island after this? I, I don't. Um, I, I've been saying this to you for ages that I think he's massively overrated as a fullback. I, I am. I just. I would love to see him play for a coach that knows how to use him properly for once. <laughs> With Phil Gould, I, I know really, how to use him. Phil Gould's oh, the sorry, coach there. Sorry, yeah, Phil Gould. Phil Gould, can you take Matt Dufty under your wing 
and put him into your, you know, redevelopment house or whatever it is and bring him back out in a few weeks. He's always been in the wrong system and the wrong team. Is he perfect? No, but, you know, the teams that he plays for have, haven't known how to u- utilise his strength. I think he'd be great in England, you know, Matt Dufty. I think he'd be oh, really he would be. good. Because they don't know how to defend over there either. Okay. All right. Go. So, all right. I'm down to my last two news stories of the week. The Dragons have lost 12 out of their last 13 games. And the News Limited Press, Buzz Rothfield in particular, gave it to Anthony Griffin and the Dragons about their recruitment, about the fact that they signed him for another year before the season started. You know, Josh Maguire, et cetera, et cetera. And just, just absolutely gave it to them. This is the same newspaper that midway through last year, so six months difference, said that Anthony Griffin, through the interviews, you can tell that he's a genius, um, was implementing Moneyball at Saints. That's right. Yes, he was. And then since they've said that, he's lost 12 out of 13 games. My view on this, that roster is better than the way it's playing. I agree with that. Like I think traditionally the Dragons, because they've got a lot of fans in the media and a lot of supporters, I think their players have always been somewhat overrated or have a quick path to origin. But I think this squad is actually is actually pretty good, but they're playing very poorly. I think um, the Griff is probably playing too many of his favourites when their performances are quite low. He's holding faith with them, which I understand. But sometimes when you're a coach, it's hard to kind of let go of the guys that have done the job for you for eight, ten years in a row. Like who? It's not who easy. Who in that Dragons team has done the job for him for eight to ten years Not for in the a Dragons, row. but he's always been a big fan of McCulloch, right? Yeah. Well, he was, he's been terrible this year. It's just one year too far, one year too far. And everyone everyone criticised Brandy when he said that about Jonathan Thurston, and he was absolutely right about Jonathan Thurston, and Andrew McCulloch's gone one season too far. And they lost and they lost Cam McInnes to get him. Correct. And I think McCulloch was brilliant for the Broncos, very underrated actually, and he's at the point of his career where he's had serious injuries, and now it's he's just kind of not up to game speed, but he remains very faithful to him, right? So, But it's hampering their game. Yeah, uh, he was. He was. He just looks. He's too slow. He is. There, there he's were too times slow. on the weekend where he just got left for dead. That's part of the issue with the Griff. I don't think he's Damian playing Cook the right style. Of there, was, there was one try where he made a break, or it ended up with a try down the right edge, and he made a break through the middle. And it was like it was like Anthony McCulloch was standing still. Absolutely, and that happened against Para as well. So I think Griffin's got to find out how to best utilize his roster, and it's not working at the moment. They've got a pretty decent squad, Saints. Uh, well, I think the way they can build their squad up is they need to reopen Sizzler. At the St. George League Club. Sizzler, yes. And they can, it like was the, the last, Bulldogs. One of the last Sizzlers, yeah. And like the Bulldogs, yes. they'll be able to run it through Sizzler. Correct, that's right. You'll go there and you'll find um, Jack DeBellin serving Jack ice cream behind the counter, yeah. No, he wouldn't be behind the counter, he'd be under the counter so the police can't oh, see him. Sorry, that's right. I forgot about that. Corey Norman's car would be in the car park, but he's not playing anymore. But he's, but not, yeah. but he's, he's not in the restaurant. Is that your wallet, Corey? Uh, no. No, the Dragons are a poison chalice, mate. You know, whoever Tough takes position. that job, unless yeah. you're... But they got a roster, right? they got a roster. Like, if Shane Flanagan took that job, that's they'd, they'd be better, much better than where they are now. I agree. But, you know, it's it's a high, it's actually one of the higher-pressure jobs, I would say, in the NRL. As soon as you're not playing well, the media comes at you. I think Madge Maguire might have the highest-pressure job in the NRL at the moment. But That's different. Yeah, he does They're going to be none and seven. The Tigers, right? interestingly, anyway. has a very high-pressure job for some reason. And they're always in the press. Like, their fans are I up know. in arms. Like, like I know. Someone does a fart in a restaurant, and it's in the news with the Tigers. Can't believe this. Madge Maguire, yeah. He stunk up it's, the joint. Yes. It's it's funny what teams have a lot of 
pressure on them and which don't. Like being a Bulldogs fan, I look at the results over the last five years, and up until now, I've never really seen a negative article about one of the coaches, which is interesting. It is interesting given how terrible you've been. Correct. That's what I mean. Like, whereas if it was the Dragons, God, I think the media would go down and burn down Cogger themselves. He's under pressure, Griff. All right. Let's bring last story of the round and yes. uh, probably the most interesting one. It's the White Shoe Brigade up in <laughs> Queensland. Payne Haas and Albert Kelly, a.k.a. T and G, got into a fight in the foyer of the hotel they were staying at after their round two game against the Bulldogs. Of course, the Bulldogs are again in the news. The way you guys... Yeah, by you association, guys been, yeah. You guys, like, we wouldn't have half the stories without the dogs this year. You guys no, have been I a know. great contributor. You're doing jack shit on the field. But off the field, you've been a strong competitor. We're keeping the NRL running off the field. Certainly keeping this pod going. (laughs) So uh, apparently, Payne Haas bought a brand new pair of white shoes. Yes, he did. They looked very shiny. Very shiny. He liked them a lot. And Albert Kelly had had, allegedly, a skin full of drink and was being a grade A pest, to borrow Paul Kent's term. And Payne Haas put one on his chin. A very soft one, but he put one on his chin because he stepped on his shoes. I get that he probably had a few drinks and Albert Kelly was being playful, but isn't that what used to happen when you were like 14? Well, so I actually feel sorry for Payne Haas here. He's been absolutely pilloried in the post. He's copped a one-week suspension. I don't think he's done anything wrong. Scuffles happen all the time. It's Albert Kelly that should have got the... I don't think any of them should have been suspended. It's just no, a I agree with that. I agree situation. With that. These, these types of things happen. These types of things happen. And I'm not saying I advocate violence or anything, but it was more but of a minor do. scuffle, but like do. A, minor, a minor tiff um, between two teammates that really it didn't get out of hand or anything. It was just captured on video. So they should just say, look, we've had a chat to them. They've had a chat together and that's it. Mind you, like Payne Haas, he's, on a million, he's, he's looking at a million dollars a year. I mean, Payne, I think you got to just let the white shoes go a little bit. No, well, I mean, I just think, I just think, you don't know, what you do is you get a snippet of it. You don't know how far he pushed him, right? No, you don't know. Look, I think it was just a controlled, like, disagreement. What would you do if someone stepped on your brand new white shoes? Well, I'm not as intimidating as Payne Haas. I'd flex, but I don't think that'll work. Would so, you? What, what, it depends what look, what you want the other yeah. person to do. Well, now, you see, you go for the scuff look. You go for the sort of, you know, industrial look. So a bit of scuffing is not too bad. Right. I kind of laughed at that, maybe because it didn't result in anything. But, you know, suspension, come on, really? And what about the shoes? Oh, what about the shoes? Yeah. What shoes were they? I don't know. That's I think that's, that, 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 that's, how this, that's how this story hinges for me. If there were Air Jordans, <laughs> I get it. If they were white leather ones, I don't. Well, you can clean the leather, right? If they're Jordans, no, you've got it a depends, bit of mesh and yeah, they look depends, good. Yeah, it depends, depends what they were. The mesh shoes are harder to clean. For me, right? this hinges on what shoes they were. Well, the mesh shoes are harder to clean. Because if All they right. get dirty, it's hard to kind of get the dirt out of the mesh. Whereas if you've got the leather, you can always wipe that stuff down. Yeah. Mind you, Payne Haas, all the kids are up. Don't they have those sprays that protect your shoes and stuff like that? How come we didn't have one of those? I, I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe maybe next press conference you can ask him. I will ask him. Oh, that's a good. That's a good oh, idea. I will ask him. We wouldn't have half the news in this league without the Bulldogs. Mate, it's it's been ridiculous. Are, you guys are leaking. can't fit him under the salary cap, oh, and then all God. of a sudden we're like, "Hey, we've got Munster." We too. can't what? register Kikau and Marnie, but Cam Munster's coming next year. We're letting Paul Vaughan go so we can buy Kikau and Marnie <laughs> on one point five million. <laughs> Fucking brilliant! Feel good, mate. The Roosters all over. I all right. It. All right. Let's move on to the first game of the round on Thursday night. Yes, it was the Newcastle Knights up against the Manly Seagulls. This cost us a perfect round, this game. I did, I did. I'm on fire with my tipping. So, so am I. So, so am I. I'm equal with you. So we've, you and I have collectively picked 17 out of the last 18 games. Yes. I don't know if that means it's very predictable or we're just on a bit or of a Or we're lucky, fluke. yeah. So, 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 so Newcastle were very poor. So what I want to say up front is um, 
They've scored one try in 170 minutes of football. Um, the conditions were terrible in this game, but, but they were they Adam, were awful. Yeah, but Adam O'Brien might be rivaling Trent Barrett for the worst attacking coach in the comp at the moment. This game rivaled that Titans game from the other. It was terrible. This game it had was 48 game. Missed, ca- missed tackles, eight six against, 14 penalties, and 25 errors. Yeah, Tommy Turbo yeah. was ruled out before the game. Garrick went to fullback. Having said that. Newcastle were very poor, but they were in this game. And actually, without all the errors they made, they should have probably won it. They, it's funny to say that with a 30-6 to scoreline. But Manly scored three tries and 18 points in the last 12 minutes. But, they, but the Knights couldn't hold on to the ball. They played some dumb football. Suaso Sue gave away some really dumb penalties, holding down at bad points in the game. And, and their attacking structure was terrible. I've got a point to make, and there's a question I want to ask you about this game. But Manly went into halftime up 10-0 after tries to Andrew Davey and Morgan Harper. And after a very poor start to the season, Morgan Harper's been a lot better the last few weeks. His confidence is, is returned Coming a little back. bit yeah, as well yeah. in defence too. Um, early in the second half, poor Sea Eagles discipline invited the Knights pressure and Ponga opened the night scoring to make it 10-6 and at that point the Knights looked like they had a bit of momentum on their side but the turning point came when Chris Randall fumbled the ball in yes. the act of grounding it right and then it was a manly penalty goal extended the lead to 12-6 and they were over from that point on the game was over um, and and the Knights capitulated in the end with Manly running three tries in the last 11 minutes to run out 30-6 to six winners when Dylan Walker came on his ball playing really made a difference through the middle of the park, and you've been saying that for a few weeks. But, geez, the Knights were poor. And the question I've got for you is, Kalen Ponga is playing terribly. And he's got and these contract negotiations, are they affecting him? He's certainly not playing like a $1.2 million a year player at the moment. I don't know if they're affecting him. I know this is his second or third team, um, game back. I do think the conditions contributed to... Probably the Knights being a little bit slower in execution, which I think allowed Manly's defence to kind of contain them quite easily. But I, I don't, th- I don't think it was their speed of execution. They just couldn't hold on to the ball. They were terrible. Like they, they looked terrible. They looked disjointed. And they still should have won at twelve six. Chris Randall ten six. He he grounds the ball. They've got all the momentum. They probably get over the line from that point. Yeah, I think when when things click, they've still got that little bit of attacking magic in them. Like the try that Ponga scored was was brilliant football by the three you know outside backs and the fullback, um, Tuala and Bradman Best. But there's not enough of that for Ponga. He's playing very flat, and I I don't know if it's. I guess to answer your question, I think they've struggled to fit Ponga back into their team rather than. Ponga playing poorly. It's almost like I don't think he's been playing well. Yeah, I don't think. He's I feel been like well. he's halfway in between fullback and five eight. You know, a lot Do of fullbacks play a hybrid I role. Don't. No, I think he's playing very flat. Do, do you think he's trying too hard? No, I think he's playing poorly. I, I'm not sure he wants to be there. You know what? You might be right. I, I always hesitate to sort of say that because then you think, okay, it's not about not trying, but they're kind of mentally I didn't not say quite he wasn't engaged. Trying. I'm just not sure if he's getting. He's not mentally all engaged. His focus is on the game. I don't know that. He's been poor, but I think the Knights have been poor the last three weeks. It's almost like they've reverted to type, you know? Like and the halves the haven't been good games, the last couple of weeks yeah, either. Yeah, the, the first few games, they were trying different things. The ball was moving around quite crisply. They, they looked like they'd actually made adjustments to their attack. Now, would I say that's continued on in the next three rounds? I'd say no. I feel like they've gone back to a more conservative style of football. And I think it's over-reliant on Ponga. 
and I don't think he's playing well I, I enough agree to with that. click I that agree into with that. gear. I agree, with, I, I agree with that analysis. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think they're over-reliant on Pong and he's not playing well. I think that's right. The Do first you know? two games, I would have said to you, the Knights... They were great. They were looking great. I mean, they've been very poor against teams that haven't been very good either. Yeah. That's the other thing. They need to fix something. Now, whether it's because the other two t- um, halves have taken a back seat because Pong is back again and it's not quite working and they were more in charge in the first two rounds, I haven't quite figured that part out. But I think um, they've struggled to incorporate Ponga back into the team. They're really struggling. They're struggling to score. Defensively, like you said, they were still holding Manly out. I thought Manly were kind of ordinary. And they had a tactic to actually kick behind the Knights' defence. You saw that multiple times. They scored they two or three tries yeah. with kicks. But also put a couple behind them to sort of... I guess make their defence hesitate and not let, rush let up so much. Question. Let me ask you a question. So, so yeah. Tommy, that, they play poorly without Tommy Turbo, right? Not that Tommy they Turbo did. has been playing that well this season, but how much of it was they've now learnt to play without Tommy or without Tommy playing well versus the Knights were terrible? They, had, they dropped a lot of pill, the Knights. I think the conditions helped Manly a little bit, but what I saw from Manly was their outside, the right-hand side defence, which was getting attacked by Newcastle for most of the match. They were very aggressive and rushing out on Ponga immediately and not giving him any room to move. And I think they actually, they really cramped his space and he struggled with it. So I thought that Harper was rushing out and they were really zeroing in on him. And that defensively, I think Manly held out the Knights quite well, held up Jay Clifford with another great tackle. Then eventually Manly took advantage of the opportunities they got down the other end with the kicks and scoring a few tries at the end. But thought they stopped the Knights playing fairly well. But I can't tell you they looked any great. Did they stop the Knights or were the Knights just really poorly executed? I think the Knights were executing poorly. Some of the Eagles, Sea Eagles defense was quite aggressive, but I also don't think they really did that much in attack either. And that's where they, I think, struggled. Like Garrick, I didn't feel was as aggressive as he was last year when Tommy was out for a couple of games at fullback. So we'll see. It's a wait and see over the next couple of rounds. I think they'll adjust, Manly. Well, they got um, the Titans this week, so... Yeah, let's well, there you go. They'll goes. probably they'll make it easy for them to score, that's for sure. Well, let's see. All right. Ordinary game, T. Ordinary game. Um, it was an ordinary just, game. Yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah. Can I, George, before we go on, I spent four days watching the Masters. It was such an amazing... And, and the Formula One, it was a fantastic weekend of sport. Do you watch the golf? I didn't watch it, but sometimes I do, yeah. Oh, the, oh you know, the golf the golf coverage... Is really it is, good. It, it's really good. It, it's really <laughs> good. So, all right. Let's move on to the Friday night games. And we actually had two absolute crackers on Friday yes, night. They were good games. They were great games. The first up was the Warriors versus the Cowboys. The Warriors got up 25 to 24. And given G's great love of defense, he would have loved this game. I love this game and I love Sean Johnson and Cody Nicarima. Sean Johnson, you are my hero. SJ, he's back. Uh, guys, uh, those listening, I just want you to know that I'm as uncomfortable <laughs> as you are right now. Of course, the Marcel Montoya homophobic slur, alleged homophobic slur, overshadowed a great game of footy for mine. Uh, it was the Warriors' third win in a row, but the Cowboys were, were actually the better team for large parts of this game. Agree with that. I uh, agree with that. Neither team wanted to win it in Golden Point, but Sean Johnson <laughs> finally potted the game-winning field goal at his third attempt. Tom Dearden opened the scoring and continued his good form when he when he dummied his way past Josh Curran and Sean Johnson, who looks fantastic with the ball in hands but continues to make no tackles, to make it 4-0 to the Cowboys. Uh, a few minutes later, Jesse Arthurs, who'd bombed one a bit earlier... And he's also in really, really good form. Um, crossed, o- crossed over off a perfectly timed SJ pass. So this is the rocks and diamonds of SJ, right? Misses a tackle, yep. one end they score. The other end, he, he lays one on. Uh, and he put the Warriors up 6-4. Aiden Fanua-Blake then had one of the worst brain farts 
we've seen in a long time. He had a brain explosion. When he tried to collect a Chad Townsend grubber one-handed, he thought he was Charles Barkley taking a one-handed yes, rebound. it was. It totally missed it. Without any of the hand-eye coordination of Charles Barkley. And he knocked it on, and Scott Drinkwater will never score another score an easier try. And he actually, he was back in the side at fullback, and I thought he was like, I'm, I'm a Scott Drinkwater fan. He needs a regular run of games and a regular position, but I think I think he could turn out to be quite a good player, given given the chance. He's out of the Melbourne Storm system. My notes on that, Tim, with him at fullback, is I thought he actually suited his his game a lot more, and he injected himself quite well, he a is lot a fullback. in the game. He is a fullback. Well, is, so wasn't he a halfback? At the Storm? Oh, was he a halfback, was he? I think it was a half, yeah. A good... Right. but I, you know, He's I mean, obviously if, very versatile. He's very good. I think fullback's his position. I agree with you. The game then appeared to be slipping away from the Warriors when Tawala Lungi intercepted an SJ cutout pass, um, which was never on. That pass, left no, to right, never that's on. That's Sean right? Johnson's magic, it, right? Well, that's right. Well, that wasn't magic. It's the opposite of magic. No, that, that one, one wasn't. He was run down by Montoya coming from the opposite wing, which was an incredible effort play from him. It was. But this absolutely. is where the Cowboys halves, this is where Chad Townsend and... They actually, this is where they're clever, right? They immediately noticed he was the opposite winger and he was at the play of the ball on the left-hand side of the field. So the next play, they actually spread it to Montoya's wing because he was out of position. Immediately, which is good, immediately. good recognition. So, so, so what, what it was was eyes up footy, right? It wasn't structure, structure, structure. No. They played what was in front of them and Kyle Felt scored. And at that point, it was 18-6 to the Cowboys, right? And I thought, I thought the Cowboys were looking really, really good. But the game changed just before halftime when Chanel Harris-Tavita, who's I actually really like this kid. I think he can play, and I think he's quite a decent defender. In the last minute of the first half, he kicked the 40-20, and it gave the Warriors one last chance, and Josh Curran took advantage to reduce the Cowboys' lead to 18-12 at halftime. Two minutes into the second half, the Warriors got things back to level. Pegging when um, super sub Cody Nikarima scored after Tawalangi spilled the ball from the kickoff. Yes, Val, he did. Yeah. Val Holmes and Ewan Aitken swapped tries to make it 24-all at full time. Jake Granville... I've already mentioned SJ kicked the field goal at, at the third attempt, but Jake Granville pressured the Warriors kickers superbly from from. I the, did notice that he, he rushed out all the all time, the time right? and actually yeah. got right on them. Yeah, but but eventually um, SJ, yeah, you know, and SJ, can I just technique wise, you know, you and I both play football. Technique wise, he actually kicks field goals the wrong way. I know it was his fifteenth one in his career, but yeah, he moves forward to kick the field goal, whereas what he's got to actually do is receive the ball, set himself, and pot it. Yep. And so, um, yeah, so so that was one of te- technically that was that was something for him to work on. But great game of footy. What do you think of this one? Same. I thought it was a really good game of football. I thought the Cowboys were the better side, and but I really like you mentioned. I cow- the Cowboys. I think Jason Tomalolo is starting to playing better every week, and he's playing less minutes. He's playing less minutes, but he's. His minutes are supercharged now. There's a lot more engagement, and he's really running hard and making good ground through the middle of the field. Like his his runs are effective. He's not just running now. I thought the Warriors again were somewhat conservative until they got into a position to attack, and then they ran through their set plays. But um, Johnson, SJ, and Arthur's have got a really good combo going. Arthur's is running the right lines, and SJ is sort of floating across and finding him with the right ball at the right time. And for the Cowboys, it's it's good signs. I thought Valentine Holmes was really, really good again. And his goal kicking superb. His goal kicking, he's striking the ball sweetly, but he's 
he's making a lot of ground from dummy half and with his runs outside of any of the set plays and he, he's back to his dangerous self he's he, he's busting the line and creating um you know um danger for the defense so hustle, Val Holmes hustle and bustle man muscle hustle and bustle man yep and um I, I thought the Cowboys once they got up to 18-6 and took the intercept and they scored that try I thought they, they're going to run away with this game I think the turning point was Chanel Harris's Tavita's 40-20 because yeah. they were way out of it and the Cowboys were flying, and then all of a sudden they they let in the try just before half time. Instead of eighteen six, they're down only eighteen twelve. You know, I, I think it was one that got away from the Cowboys. Um, as for Golden Point, can we just play the five minutes out, please? Does it really matter if it's one minute or four minutes? Because it's just a field goalathon. It's ridiculous. I mean, I did see online that some people some people suggested the losing team in Golden Point should get a point, which I don't I don't actually mind. I, I don't think, agree I, with. Oh, you don't agree with it? I, I think it's so harsh to lose that way in a regular season game. Oh, okay. Sorry. The losing team. Yeah, why not? I think... I, I agree. Some, to lose off a field goal shootout, which half the time the players are 20 metres offside, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they are. Because the refs won't call it. 100%. They're not even trying to play. They're just trying to get in position for field goals. I just think it's better off either you play the five minutes and the result is the result, or you um, do what you suggested, which is if you lose, you get a point. And I think that's fair as well. But one that got away from the Cowboys, it would have been a good win and actually would have them a decent points total. You know, after five rounds, six points would have been pretty good for the Cowboys. Yeah, the Warriors and Cowboys are both um, on the up, would be the way I'd describe them. Um, And just on Drinkwater, we said, I think the Hammer sort of waits for his opportunities, probably because he's still quite a young player, whereas Drinkwater was a lot more aggressive at fullback, and I think he really added a lot to the Cowboys' attack. Well, the Hammer Hammer had like four runs last week. I mean, he couldn't really play him again. He's a so. little bit more passive. I love I the mean, Hammer. I mean, but... despite, despite him only touching the ball like three times, he was like seven times better than Matt Dufty was this week, but we'll talk about it in the <laughs> Cowboys' account of the game. Yes. So... Next up, it was the Broncos versus Roosters. The Roosters got away with this one, 24-20. Again, another they great did. game where the better team lost. And in the end, yes. can you believe it? Poor Adam Reynolds' goal kicking actually cost the Broncos. He, he was ter- he's been terrible with his goal kicking so far this yeah. year. The Broncos dominated the first half and led 10-0 at halftime after tries to Corey Oates, who finished with a hat-trick. And Katoni Staggs, who terrorised Momorowski all night. <laughs> That's probably the right word. The, I mean, he, poor, poor, <laughs> oh, poor Momorowski. He'll be having nightmares this week about Katoni Staggs, and when he goes back to the Panthers, he'll have nightmares with them again. He so will. The second half was uh, the Joey Manu show, though, and I love this given how much I love him as a centre. He scored two tries and set up another, but the first try was actually some great Angus Crichton footwork on the right edge to put Sam yeah. Walker over to get cut the deficit to 10-6. And brave he, run by Sam Walker, 100 miles that hit the ball on full, at full speed and he got did, crunched he as did, well. Yeah. He did, but I think it was all Angus Crichton. That was not, not every forward has footwork like that, right, in very tight, confined spaces. Manu then put the Roosters ahead for the first time after intercepting a Billy Walters pass and then scoring a few plays later to make it 12-10 to the Roosters. But the Broncos kept coming, and after Staggs dragged Tupu into touch, Corey Oates outlepped Kevin Nakama off an Adam Reynolds bomb to retake the lead 16-12. Um, Joey Manu then got his second from dummy half where he just bollocked over. He would have copped an absolute spray if he didn't score that because it was on the last tackle. And Sam Walker converted from the sideline to give the Roosters a lead with five minutes to go. Before Tupanua looked to have actually iced the game, right? Um, with, with, with five to go. Uh, looked to have iced the game with three to go after he pounced on a perfectly weighted Sam Walker grubber. But still, the Broncos didn't give up with Corey Oates scoring in the last 90 seconds after a beautiful Adam Reynolds kick. But he uncharacteristically missed the conversion, which meant they had to go for a try. 
Now, this proved very, very costly in the last 90 seconds because the Broncos got two penalties on the last play, which were very kickable if they were only two points behind to send it into Golden Point. What a great game. For me, the, the talking point is the Roosters got up, the Broncos played really well. But the main talking point for me that no one is talking about at the moment is Adam Reynolds' form. Do you think his form was that bad in this game? Like, I think it was just another step in him getting comfortable with the combos with the Broncos. I'm not suggesting they drop him, but... Oh, you no, know, I don't I, mean I, that. I, so I think so. Here's, here's what I think. I think Cody Walker is really struggling for not having Adam Reynolds there, and we'll talk about it in the Souths game. Yes. And I, and I think Adam Reynolds is really struggling for not having Cody Walker there. It's I think a good together, observation. I together think they right. work brilliantly, right? So Cody yep. Walker gave Adam Reynolds the magic. Yes. I think at the Broncos, they're asking him to do a little bit more than what's in the Adam Reynolds toolkit. Fantastic observation. I absolutely agree with that because they're 5'8 that he's got. There's a lot more onus on his shoulders, I think, at the Broncos in a different way. And I think that's what you've articulated, right? So at South, yes, he was organising the team and everything else, but he could always rely on Cody Walker to run some players, create some magic, and just, just play with just amazing vision where he and, hasn't and Cody really Walker got didn't that need to organise the team. He could, he could just concentrate on what was in front of him. That's right. And now it's he's got to organise the team, but they're also looking at him to be the playmaker essentially as well and come up with some of the big plays and you've seen it more he's he's grubbed for himself he's he's trying to attack the line I think it'll improve a little bit and I think that's where they're going to miss Albert Kelly the Broncos because once Albert Kelly settles he can do a little bit of that magic stuff he's got that in him as a player and I think they do miss that but I thought they played really well in this game as well and I, I do think they felt more comfortable with Adam Reynolds this week. They, they adjusted their line a little bit. I thought they came with greater depth at the Roosters when they were attacking. I thought Reynolds was giving early ball to Katoni Staggs and Katoni Staggs was, you know, angry Katoni Staggs this week and he just killed the Roosters. Anytime he got the ball, it was, you know, danger signals. He, he was really tough to tackle. But I, I do feel, feel they were a little bit more settled this week as a result. But would I say Adam Reynolds is playing amazingly well? Not really. And I think your point of are they asking him to do too much is a, is a one to watch out for. I, I think it's a great observation to keep an eye on. He can't do much more than he's doing. That's just not his game, right? Um, and the Roosters, uh, look, I thought they defended okay for the most part. It, because I think the Broncos could have run up a score and they kind of held them out. They scrambled quite well, the Roosters, I thought. And that kept them in the game. But like you said, in this, once the second half flipped over, I don't know what happened in the dressing sheds. Maybe Trent Robertson lost his marbles or, you know, blew a gasket or whatever it was. But I thought they came out at a different tempo, the Roosters, in, after half time. Like you said, great try to Sam Walker. Joey Manu, again, it was a Joey Manu show for a while. Oh, and then he scored player. that such a good fabulous try over six. I mean, I know it was the last tackle, but there were five or six guys there. Yeah, I know, I know. But they were calling for the ball oh, to the oh, left. That would have killed he him. he absolutely hogged it. He absolutely hogged it. That was a time where hogging it actually worked. It worked. That time it worked, yeah. Just... But it was a great try, and you said the Broncos kept on coming. They never gave up because there was a time period in that half about you know after Joey Manu's second try, I thought they were struggling. Yeah, you know I thought they looked kind of tired, and I thought that they would give way the Broncos and the Roosters would start to run up the score, and that never eventuated. So they they went toe to toe with them, and it was a good performance by the Broncos. I thought they were the better team, but I think the Roosters just had a little bit too much class, I think, and and the goal kicking. Made the difference as made well. Made a difference so, in the end, that's right. Yeah, it did. So, But good signs for the Broncos in that game. All right. 
Yeah, there was, there was. Better but, performance. I a mean, little, little bit inconsistent the last few weeks, the Broncos. They are, so they'll, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they go But this the Roosters week. winning and sneaking away with some of these games. They are. They're not playing well. They're not playing well, the Roosters, not, right? And I'm expecting them to build. I think, like you said, they might come home towards the back end of the season. I'm still expecting that. But um, they're well, winning, the Broncos have got a real away, test, getting though, away with some of these games. This week with Panthers. So we'll oh, see yeah. how it goes. And the Roosters game. are at home yeah. for Warriors. So we'll see. Yep. So let's move on to shitty Saturday which yes. lived up to its name with the first two games. It did. We're back to shitty Saturday. <laughs> the first one was at Wagga The first Wagga. two weeks were an anomaly. Yeah, yeah correct. We're, we're back to regular service here. So Raiders versus the Storm. I haven't got a lot on this game, right, other than it was at Wagga Wagga. <laughs> the, the Raiders, the Raiders opened <laughs> the scoring. And the camera scoring. angle was hard to adjust It to. was. The Raiders opened the scoring with a Schneider penalty goal. And that was about it for the next 20 minutes as the storm, storm blew the Raiders away, starting with a Harry Grant try, followed by Jerome Hughes, who was great and got a double on the night, and Ryan Pappenhausen. And it was 18-2 after 23 yeah. minutes, and basically the game was over from then. This did force the Raiders to chase the game a little bit, though, because they were so far behind so early. And they got one back through Valamai before halftime to make it 18-8 at halftime. The game was effectively over, though, in the second half when Justin Olam crashed over after 10 minutes to make it 24-8. And, and crash over is exactly the perfect description. Oh, yeah, did. it was. Yes, the, absolutely. The, the team's traded tries in the last minute, last few minutes, but um, and the Raiders oddly kicked the penalty goal. And I've got a bit to say about this at the death to make it 30-16. to <laughs> Um, yes. Cam Munster was fantastic. Jerome Hughes and Harry Grant were great for the Storm. I think the Raiders are in a bit of trouble. My concern with... Did you hear the story about this? So no. About the penalty goal after the siren, even though they were trailing by 16 points? No, what happened? Don't, don't so tell me it's got Rick, to do with betting. Rick, Rick, well, that's what one would think, right? This is the risk with these types of decisions. So Ricky missed it because he'd left, the, left to go down to the sheds two minutes before the end of the game. They couldn't win it, so he left. Yeah. They chose to take the penalty goal... Because finding that, someone to kill, and when Ricky Rich asked, George. when Ricky yeah. asked them why they did that, they said because of for and against, and because last year they only missed out on the eight by two points. Um, my biggest problem with that is they did miss out on for and against, but they missed out by about a hundred points. <laughs> so, unless they think a penalty goal after the sirens <laughs> worth fifty times what it actually is. You know, there was some rumours about betting and those types of things, but I don't think any of that's no. got any, any validity to it at all. It does. I mean, look, I'm, I thought it was about for and against. It's like, why not just take the two points I, anyway? I think it was. Because it was about for and against, right? A, a bit of a fizzer, this game, to be honest. I think it's great that it was in Wagga. I thought, you know, Harry Grant came out on fire. I, I thought the Raiders were holding on at the beginning, and then... Eventually, they didn't they hold on away. well. They were down. No, it, they, they, yeah. you know, they were under pressure for the first twenty minutes, and then it all just bang, bang, bang. And then next, I think the know, Raiders are in a bit two. of trouble. I really do. They, they are. The Cowboys they really this weekend. Um, the Cowboys don't travel well to Canberra. It's at Canberra. Although, if this was played in a neutral venue, I would tip the Cowboys. It's just, it's just the Raiders are not. It's another team without a halfback. You can't put a lot of points on without a halfback. The evidence is everywhere. Look at the dogs. Look at the Raiders. Like you, you need a halfback to put on. Points. Schneider, Schneider's a rookie essentially, so you're asking a lot for him to be your, you know, playmaker and sort out your attack. Look, um, even South's attack is looking really like Cody Walker has not had a try assist this season. He broke the record last season. Yeah, remarkable if you think about Why, it. Why though? Why? Um, because they don't have recognized. They got young halfbacks. They got young halfbacks that need to grow into the game. Ilias. You know, um, is getting better, but yeah, I mean, Jerome. Once Harry Grant scored with a tough try at the beginning, you know, I thought the 
the Raiders would were doing their best to hold on, and then once Jerome Hughes stepped through part, stepped through everybody, and then the Storm started to play a more expansive game. I thought they were passing the ball in their own quarter, and they were starting to move the defense around. Then when when Munster broke through, and then Pappenheisen, as usual, comes out of nowhere under the post. It's eighteen to two, and the game was essentially over from that point. You know, the Raiders did well to sort of throw the ball around and score with Valum from Semi Valame just before halftime, and, and it gave them a little bit of hey, you know, there might still be something in this game. Game, but as soon as Olam just ran through three or four plays after half time, I think the game just petered out. To be honest, I thought yeah, the Storm took their foot off the pedal, and it was just an easy win. Was I mean the Raiders? Win. I didn't really, you know, think gave them much of a match. I mean they tried, but it was just the Storm were way too good in this way game. Way too good. Way too good. It is the the comp starting to settle down now. It is a little bit. Yeah, it's starting it is, to yeah. sort of start. There's a few teams where I'm a little out. bit unsure yeah, about, but there's teams out. now, yeah. You can go, this team's out. good, yeah. Correct. So next up, it was a game that we were going to go to, but we didn't end up going to, thankfully, um, was Souths versus Saints. Yes. Uh, and this classic game finished 24-12 to 12 to Souths. To start this game, South scored one of the tries of the season with Cook tearing a hole in the Dragons' middle. This is the one where I mentioned earlier we yeah. were completely outpaced Andrew McCulloch before combining with Campbell Graham, who did really well to put Luttrell over to make it 4-0. It was a great try. It was a fantastic try. try. Unfortunately, Luttrell then did a hamstring, and fortunately, they had Blake Tarfay on the bench. So it was yes. a very seamless uh, transition. And and can I just say something about Blake Tarfay? He's not as explosive or as Luttrell, but his work rate's a lot higher. And you notice uh, this mate, throughout the game. Uh, yes, I was going to say, was that really that much of a... Other than some of the crash, explosive, uh, amazing plays on occasion, I thought they kind of looked a little bit better at times. With, I agree, oh, because of his work rate. He, he, pl- yeah. he, he gets more involved, like Tarfay. He gets involved. And Latrell may not have the fitness to get involved as much as... He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. Mate, he's actually putting on more weight each week. I don't know if something's not right. I'm not going to so criticize the guy. So are you. Yeah, that's you different. criticize him every week. I don't want to see him get into a position where, and it could be a medical, who knows, right, what the reason is, but he's hampering his own game. He's such a fantastic athlete. Like, he can handle that for now, but every little bit, his body's starting to run funny. He's pulling hamstrings. Like, he's got to, he's got to be careful that it doesn't result in um, recurrent injuries. Yeah. He's he's a fabulous player. You want to see him on the field, you know. That's right. All right. So that's that's absolutely what happened. Um, dr- the Dragons should have hit back after some good work by Zach Lomax to beat Tane Mill, but he chose to throw a no look pass that went behind <laughs> Moses Mbai. That's his normal pass. And he's this is this Josh is exactly why Zach Lomax shouldn't be in Origin. He's fallen a little bit too in love. Has, I love Zach Lomax. He's fallen in love too much with the flashy without doing the hard work. Yeah, flashy pl- flicks and the no-look passes. That's it's right. great. But some of them haven't quite come off. I'm not saying don't do it, but it seems like he's doing that all the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> what he's doing. Like, that, that was a dead set try that he butchered by doing that. Yeah. He just needed to open his eyes, look at the guy and pass <laughs> him the ball. You're no right. Josh Schuster, Zach Lomax. Fair enough. And you're no T, G. Correct, so that's right. The game the game then settled into an arm wrestle before Kaloa Matangi crashed over to make it 10-0 at halftime. Moses Mbai opened the scoring for the Dragons early in the second half after a bad miss by Kaloa Matangi. So he had a good moment before halftime yeah. and a bad moment afterwards. It was 10-6 at this point. 
But South struck back almost immediately with a beautifully worked passing move down their right edge, resulting in Campbell Graham scoring to restore the 10-point lead. I actually thought Campbell Graham had a really good game to, to put the, uh, the Rabbitohs up 16-6. The second half was very poor in this game. And with three minutes to go combined, the teams only completed 17 out of 33 sets. And combined, they had 10 tackles in the opposition 20. So the whole game was played between the two 20-metre lines and no one completed their sets. Tane Mill got icing on the cake at the death to make it 24-6. But bizarrely, the last play of the game was uh, a Jaden Sewer try. Uh, was Sorry, was it was, was a Jaden Sewer try after the Souths, Souths passed the ball forward in the goal from the kickoff. And they were all laughing about it, but it showed a little bit of ill-discipline and, and, and the Saints got a try. They didn't go for the penalty goal. They got the try. They kicked the penalty goal. And it was 24-12 at, half, at, at full time. Uh, South's got it done. Very poor second half. Really disjointed. Cody Walker, still no try assist this season. I mean, what do you say? I thought the game was relatively poor as well. I thought the South was a great try, like you said, at the beginning. Um, and then once Mitchell hobbled off after 20 minutes, you know, they, then they scored another try to Colum and Tungy. And I just thought the Dragons weren't at the races again. I, I just thought they were off the pace. I didn't think they were. Um, they really did that much in attack. I don't like the move of Moses and Bayer to fullback. I don't think that's helped the Dragons at all. I think McCulloch needs to be the person on the bench if he's going to keep him in the team. And Moses and Bayer either needs to start or rotate with him. Because he can't keep up, unfortunately. I think it's hampering the Dragons' service through the middle. And I think it's, um, it's, it's weakening two positions in, at the same time. They need Sloan back. They need a little bit of strike from the fullback and involvement. And I don't think Moses and Bayer is that player anymore. I, I think they really struggled to break down the South's defence most of the game. And I thought it was going to be an easy victory for South. And I thought the Dragons, after halftime, came out quite aggressive and a little bit more faster paced. They scored a try to Moses Mbai to begin just after half time, and I thought they might find their way back into the game. But like you say, South's next try to um, Campbell Graham was brilliant hands all the way across the back line, really fast, and really the skill, the execution was just quicker than the Dragons' defence. The defence wasn't bad. It was just great execution by South. So once they scored that, they, they, you know, they put the game was over, essentially. Second half was a non-event. I thought it was good. Blake Tafe had a good game, but the Dragons... I don't know. Something's we've talked about it. I, something's not quite right there. You know, they need to do something to shake themselves back up. I wouldn't say defensively, and this might be because of the rules have overly they've been thrashed necessarily the Dragons, but they can't score and they're really struggling to put points. I on think hookers a real problem, have. and you mentioned it earlier. I think I think hookers a real real problem for them. They're at home versus the Knights, so I, I actually don't know who we're going to pick this week. I have no idea Saints. with that game, yeah. but yeah. So Dragons a, a disappointing effort against the South that was good enough but I wouldn't say played fantastically well. All right. Shall we move on to the most controversial game of the round? <laughs> yes. I was losing my shit at this game. <laughs> it's the Titans, man. They're the most exciting team in the comp. Titans versus the Eels. We got up 26 yeah, We did score three tries in the first half, including a double to Gutho to lead 14-0 at half time. What I will say in this game, the Titans were very physical, but not always legally. <laughs> so I worry yes. if that's what they think is they think good defense looks like. I mean, judging by their for and against, that's probably true. Yeah, like they've got they, no again, structure. Should, it's just physicality, no. right? And and like the, an example of that was uh, Sami. He propelled himself shoulder first like a missile as Bailey Simonson was putting the ball down, and it's actually really dangerous. Patrick Herbert was guilty of a few high shots um, that cost us in the second half. So they they were actually they lifted the intensity in terms of their defense, but they did it not. They were right on the edge of whether it was legal. The refereeing in this game was diabolical. 
I'll talk a little bit about that later. It was yep. a very, very, very poor. It was a 9-1 penalty count at the end of the day, and it was 9 or 10 in a row for the Titans. Wonga Blake did an MCL, another outside back that's injured for Parramatta. After halftime, Ryan Madison extended the lead down the other edge um, to make it 20 to nil with 32 minutes to play, and then the referee took over from there. Um, <laughs> we saw a number of times the Titans give away deliberate penalties so that they can challenge the previous play. This is a very poor look for the game and needs to be it needs to be scrubbed out of the game. The Titans did get back in after the Eels couldn't deal with a second eight with two AJ Brimson grubbers to make it twenty to ten. But referee Peter Guff was very very poor. Junior Paulo got sinbin for a shoulder on shoulder tackle and actually he he copped an early plea. He's actually going to miss a game for that. And David Fafita scored a dubious try. Probably on the balance of probabilities, you give the try, but that was a lot closer, that grounding, than the commentators said it was. Uh, it looks it was, like it wasn't close, but it actually was very fine margins. Very and also, like fine you said, the margins. balance of probability, it looked like a try. But yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It, it was a 50, you know, very, very close call. Yeah, but the, no, call. With the, what, my point with it is, no, like, I don't know, we've got no rubber the green. In terms of the referees, right? It was twenty to six no. after, and this happened deliberately because what what did Justin Holbrook do after the last Eels game? He oh, came yeah, out and said refs. the big teams get yeah. all the decisions, right? Yes, of course. And so what yes. happened is they got a ten-one penalty count this time, and they and and Justin, you still weren't good enough, and you still need to work on your defence. So we were up twenty to sixteen with eleven minutes to play, but thankfully the Eels scored with only twelve players when um, Moses bombed and Dylan Brown ended up with it to make it 26-16 with seven minutes to play. But then it still wasn't over because Peter Guff gave the Titans a six again after we allegedly played at the ball, making a tackle on the last tackle, and Marju scored to make it 26-20. The first game between these teams was 10 tries, and this one was nine tries. Whenever we play the Titans, it gives me a heart attack. What did you think of this game, G? Very controversial. I was very cranky with the refereeing. I I mean, it's one of those games where it was very one-sided for a while. I thought the Titans, surprisingly, were very physical, but also kind of scrambled okay to keep you guys out for a while, like the Eels. I thought the Eels were going to run away with the game. But I also think the the Eels' defense kept the Titans scoreless. They defended the Titans very well. I thought the Titans tried to play footy, but... The U.S. defense was actually a little bit too good in this game. So it, it kept that buffer there. And sometimes, as we know, the rest manage some of the other teams into the back into the game. I don't think it's the Titans. You know, you see that on a regular basis. I, I think they, if one team's got the ascendancy and is way out in front, they occasionally, you know, soften the game up and provide penalties to the team that's getting belted. And we see that often, or I think we do anyway. I thought the Eels defensively excellent, and they're up 20-0 and the Titans were struggling to score. It just was a crazy finish, to be honest. I thought the Fafita play was a big one because the Titans scored a couple of what you would consider just a few tries to you know keep the score close, but they weren't in the game at all, and that really sort of gave them a spark to come home and try and snatch the victory away from the Eels. But, and then when Marju went over, it was only 24-20. I thought the Titans might get you, actually, to be honest. I think there's a little bit of panic in the Eels play, but that's ultimately... Because, that's because you don't know anything about footy. <laughs> Ultimately, I thought the Eels were a little bit too strong. It's hard to for the play Titans. against fourteen people, G. You know the the weird thing is about the Eels is they were so in control of that game, and I know the refs didn't help, but God, man, against help. the Titans, it didn't help. I mean, he's just against the Titans. You guys panic. What the? It's not what that. Is with the oh, it's hard to play against fourteen players. What is with the Titans and you and your team? 
You guys, every time you play, you're all over the place. Well, we've won both games. I know. Look, honestly, good win. I thought the Titans came home strong, and the Eagles defensively were, for most vast majority of the game, well, I think were very good. You know, they kept the Titans scoreless for a vast majority of that game. We were the better so, side, refereeing, yeah. otherwise we would have blown them off the park. The Eagles want that top four position. They're doing their best to get it. They are. So let's move on to even shittier Sunday, which was first up with the Sharks. I don't have a lot on these two games because they were blowouts and not very good games. Sharks beat the Tigers 30-4. to Sharks played poorly. <laughs> I'm talking about the winners here. They won 30-4, six tries to one. Uh, the Sharks played poorly with handling errors. They made 15 errors and being guilty of trying to force the pass. And I thought the Tigers actually really tried. Despite this, the Sharks still put six tries on them, on the poor Tigers. And, and the only try for the Tigers came from a Ken Momolo intercept in the last minute of the game. Jesse Ramian had, did have a field day for the Sharks with two try assists, eight tackle busts, three offloads, one line break and a try. And along with yep. Sione Katoa, the Sharks' right edge tore the problematic Tigers' left edge to shreds, and Madge has dropped that whole edge this game. This Gildart's out. He's changed it all around. Momolo's out. That whole edge has now changed for the Tigers this week. Tigers weren't helped by Dane Laurie being ruled out at the Grand Prix game. He's unfortunately contracted COVID, and we wish yeah. him a speedy recovery. But the Sharks played really poorly. I didn't think Nico Hines had a good game, and they still hammered them six tries to one. The poor Tigers are not first-grade quality. Oh, I think that sums it up. I, again, I don't think the Tigers... Attitude was necessarily in question. No, they tried. They were trying. You could tell they were trying. You could tell they were trying. They don't have the cattle. They yes, don't and have you the know cattle. that I've been a, a critic of Madge in a way um, last year. in a year, way. Thought, <laughs> you have been a critic I have been. of Madge. I've yeah. been a critic of Madge, right? But nevertheless, last year, there were games where they just switched off and I would say half the team didn't really put in. Whereas this year, I think they're really trying in every game. They're quite spirited, but they they're just... It's not working. They're just not. They're just not good enough. I mean, half their squad. You'd have to wonder if they are, like you say, first grade quality. And they they tried hard, and the sharks weren't that great. And the sharks pummeled them. I thought the sharks were relatively ordinary, partly because the tigers were spirited. T just to give them credit. Um, and so, but then when they opened up and attacked that edge, and with Katoa scoring a few tries, and Moylan, I thought was the sharks' best, along with Toby Rudolph popping up in different areas of the field. I thought it made a a big difference to the attack. I thought he was their best player. I think Moylan is playing excellent, really, really well. The Sharks just had too much firepower. Blake Braley was really good. And whenever they make a break, they've always got players backing up, turning half chances into tries like the really good sides do. You know, like the Pappenheisen or a Gutherson. Or they've got Kennedy, the try right at the end to Kennedy where McInnes followed Hines um, through a gap and they turned that into a, a try. They're, they're looking really good. And what I was impressed about the Sharks is despite them playing poorly their enthusiasm in defense held out for the whole 80 minutes like they you've mentioned this before but they desperately didn't want the Tigers to score they really wanted to keep them to zero that's right yeah it's the it's the Craig Fitzgibbon factor absolutely they were trying the Sharks you know kept that determination up the whole game and mate they look a lot better than I think anybody would have thought. I agree. Really I agree. Good. Well, we had them in the top eight. Um, yes. But, but they're, 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 they're probably the top four side, right? I think there's I three think teams. They there's are. three teams, Parramatta, the Storm, and the Panthers. 
I think yes. are, are, are a cut above everybody else. And I think yes. the Sharks are just behind both the, those three teams. I At the moment, South, absolutely. South, Souths and Manly have dropped back to the field. I think they'll still finish fifth and sixth. I think the Sharks are up there with the Roosters because I'm still I still have oh, faith sorry, I forgot in the about Roosters. the Roosters. I forgot about the Roosters. I still sorry. have faith in the Roosters, but the Sharks. So, are so the Roosters, very good. they'd be my top four still, but the Roosters yeah. I'd have behind Para, Para, Storm, and the Panthers. So and the Roosters in fourth. I think the Sharks are there or thereabouts with them, and then you got Manly and Souths in six and seven. It'll make the eighth spot really interesting, but. You know, you can already see that I reckon they'll be the top seven. I, I don't. I don't think that's going to be it, um, any doubt. To be quite honest, I, I think the Sharks were. You know, they're they're putting anybody who's put in front of them. If they're playing poorly, they're dispatching them. They are clinically. indeed. So they're looking very good. All right, everyone. It's that time of the week where Please. you grab a, a scotch, you settle back in your favourite beanbag, you dim the lights, you get some Chinese food from Dynasty Restaurant. <laughs> By the Uber driver, delivered by the Uber driver, Kikau. Who who happens to to be one of the Bulldog players. Well, Lemmy Kikau and the Josh Adokar dumplings. And you settle in for Bulldogs Hour. And the Bulldogs played the Panthers. The Panthers won 32-12. Kyle Flanagan looked okay. And I think the interpretation of the rules this year probably helps him as a halfback. I'm not actually going to say much about this game, G, other than I thought Kyle Flanagan did okay. Um, I thought thought, he did too. I I don't think he was very bad He didn't get the ball a lot. No, he didn't. Mike Meehal Woods asked... Trent Barrett a question after the game about the structure because Brandon Can we talk got about the ball. Yeah, Brandon, well, I'll, we'll go through the game because I'm not going to do much analysis of this game. I'm going to hand isn't. over to you as a Bulldog supporter to what you saw in this game. I'll make a couple of points um, and then we'll talk about Mike Meehal Woods's um, question. So I do think the new rules help Kyle Flanagan. The attacking structure means he doesn't get the ball as much. In previous weeks, the halves touched the ball anywhere from 30 to 50 times, which is low by any other team's standards. Yeah, I was reading the article. It's a very good article, actually. Excellent article. And then Kyle Flanagan only got the ball like 20-odd times. So he didn't really trust him in the attacking structure, which might be the way to put it. But I did think the Bulldogs tried hard, but the Panthers were too good and never really in danger of losing the game. It was 20-6 to at halftime. Matt Dufty may have put in one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Zero tries, zero try assists, four errors, six runs, seven post-contact metres, yes, seven, and 35 attacking run metres in an entire game from fullback. Does that mean he fell forward every time he got tackled? If he didn't turn up, the Bulldogs would have been better. If you played with 12, you would have been better. Um, like the Tigers, the Dogs tried hard, but nowhere near the Panthers. I mean, I'm not going to go through the analysis. There was just a... There's no point. I, I think... There's a golf between the teams, and for me, this game... I, I look, going back to that Mike Meehan Hall question that he asked Trent Barrett, you know, his answer... I mean, well, you expect I, I think, I think the fact anyway. that he dismissed him the way he but did, because it was a very, him. very good question. It was a great very question, good question, because it was actually specifically about the tactics. Not only it that, not like only that, like, this, question, is, right? this is what we complain about. No one talks about the tactics of the game, and, and this, this guy actually... Got fronted up, and and it was a, and he needed to answer that question, and he dismissed it. And it's yep. poor form from Trent Barrett, and it was an absolutely insightful question. And and he's right, the structure he doesn't want to defend his structure because the media never asks him those questions. They don't. I thought it was a great question, not because I'm a Bulldogs fan, just as a footy fan. It was great to hear somebody say, "Hey, you know, whenever you had your structure, you had your forwards take the ball one out. You know, your halfbacks there. Your halfbacks not getting as many touches." Is there something you need to fix to get your halfback the ball? That's actually a very pointed, qu- pointed well, question. Well, not only that. Right? I mean, if you, if you read the question, he said even when he did, you, you got him to 
feed the play was to feed it back back in to the middle for the forwards. So we get the Correct. ball and switch it back in. It just as a footy fan, it was kind of a bit sad to see that question dismissed because I thought it deserves a response. Like it's not your standard question. It's actually a thoughtful question from someone watching the game, right? Mind you, I think Trent Barrett's tactics are from the um Sean Deitch um, tactics because um, during the week he was asked what Burnley needs to do to score and he said just put it in the net so I think Trent Barrett just tells his players just score a try and it's not working because <laughs> there's nothing know. else happening I don't know. mate I don't know but your, stru- your attacking you. structure is very poor but I don't blame Trent Barrett I don't blame Trent Barrett because what I found out during the week was Phil Gould's coaching the side <laughs> well apparently Phil Gould's coaching the team uh, look the Panthers watching this game other than being able to lie on the tackled player all over the place and being offside half the game, you know, it's almost like they bra- they're far more brazen after last year's semi-finals when they kind of dared the refs to punish them. Yeah, um, their defensive pressure is so fast. You need to really have a strong attack to challenge their defense. For me, I thought James Fisher Harris. I-, I love him. I think he's he's an amazing prop. He's his agility across the field to close all those gaps and slow the play the ball down. And the way the Panthers slowly play the ball down Jar- makes him... Jared Warrior Hargraves. I, I yeah, he's fantastic. Harris and I go, he's a young JWH. He's kind of the prototype prop where he's got the bulk and the athleticism. He's got the strength, but he's got the athleticism and agility of a you know a, a smaller player. But anyway, I thought their defensive pressure just made it too hard for the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs' attack is rudimentary. It's slow. They tried hard, but it's just too easy for the Panthers' defense to knock off. And it's very forward-orientated. It's all one-out runs. It's all inside balls. Josh Jackson apparently looks like our halfback, and he never gets a rest either. I, I, I watching well, the you know game. What, you know what? I thought I watched that game, and I thought, oh, "Gee, Josh, Josh Jackson tried hard. He tries hard, yeah, but he, he also really needs hard. a break. Because there's times break. where he gets caught out because he's actually tired. But you can see um, him yelling at the players too. It means something to him. Of course, it does. I I think he just needs to get a break every now and again. Regardless, I thought Flanagan did okay. He, he did all right. Yeah, he did all right. He did all right. The Bulldogs tried hard, but if our you know gun player is Josh Jackson and Corey Waddell, we're in trouble. Your gun player is Honey Soy Chicken. Poor Matt Dufty. You could see his confidence just slipping out as the game wore on. It just got worse. One of those games. But the Panthers, mate. Talon May. I know we talked about him earlier, but what a winger. What a man. I, I can't believe. What, what a, a man. man. What a winger. I can't believe they've actually lost Brian To'o and then come up with a guy you know, as a rookie who's his finishing and his strength and the way he, he plays. He, he's been absolutely amazing as a rookie. You could be describing me. I could be. Um, you're now a third-year veteran on the podcast. But, mate, honestly, If this Panthers, podcast had reserve grade, you'd be there. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be playing for the Tigers podcast. You would be. But um, honestly, the the Panthers, God, they're a good side. It was just no contest, really. I mean, Absolutely. it's funny where people go, hey, the Bulldogs tried hard and they were kind of in the game and they lost by nearly 30. Well, it was I that th- comprehensive. I, I, didn't think the, I didn't think the Bulldogs were in the They game. weren't in the game. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was that comprehensive. But it was bound to happen. I actually think you got a, some positives, right? In another, in another like, last year, they would this would have been 66 nil. Oh, easily, easily. Um, so, look, you know, good signs, good attitude. They tried hard, but the Panthers just way too good. Not even not nor, nor can you read anything into this game for the Panthers. Like, it wasn't You can't. Of, yeah, it's too like easy. It's too, it's too easy. Too easy yeah, for that's them. right. That's the right. one thing that came out of me 
T watching them really close is how good they are. They remind me of the old Storm teams where they'd flip guys around and push them around so they're facing the other goal line. The way they slow the blade of the ball down and the speed of their defense is really good. They're excellent. They're a great side. They are. Mrs. T is very happy. Oh, mate, their record over the last three years, I mean, it's incredible. Well, grand final, final. I mean, we spoke about that. But even during the regular season, like losing one or two games, like in a year. We used to say the Roosters. You know who the Panthers are? Do you want to know who the Panthers are? The Panthers are the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, yes. They're changing footy. It's a speed. It's a... It, and, and it's yes. a dynasty that's hard to keep up with, right? Absolutely. And, and, and I, Nathan I, Cleary is Steph Curry. The other thing we mentioned about the Panthers, we wondered how they would go. I think and, they've and, got and, an on and, and off switch. And you are Kendrick Perkins. Yes, I am. They've got an on and off switch. But you know what? We wondered whether their hunger is still going to be there. And you know what? I know at times it, they switch it off, but they're still hungry to win every week. It's still early, though. There's some of these games where they could lose, but mate, they, they, they're in there. Yeah, their enthusiasm in defence, they're very hungry. So like you say, who's going to beat them? That's right. All right, let's move on to round six then, the round six preview of the games. For, and it's Easter weekend. Um, yes. So the games are spread out over a different cadence this weekend. So first up on the Thursday, we've got the Raiders versus the Cowboys. It's down in Canberra. Raiders are $1.55 favourites. Cowboys are $2.45 outsiders. The Cowboys have four and a half point start. I will start off by saying I don't know if this was in a <laughs> if well if it was at a neutral venue, I'd pick the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are playing better. They don't travel well to Canberra. And I think Ricky will they were the Raiders were very disappointing, and I wonder if Ricky just beats the crap out of them this week and has them up for the game. He probably does. He's probably going to get the gloves out and give them all a slap on the face to wake them up. But I I'm tipping the Cowboys in this game. I just, I think the Raiders, you know, they're they're like last year. I'm not year, sure. I'm, not sure. I'm leaning towards I'm not the Raiders sure. to be honest, because it was the Storm they played. That's the other thing, right? There's a there's a golf. The Storm were that's right. Really that's cool. right. That's right. Um, so, but the Cowboys actually have been far more impressive. They have, but they don't um, travel to me well. this year. Yeah, it is in Canberra, so that could give the Raiders the edge, and I think the Raiders will probably play a little bit better at home. You know what? I'm going to tip the Cowboys. I just think they're going to have a little bit too much in attack for the Raiders. I think the Raiders have really struggled to score points, and I don't know... They have struggled to score points. If that's I, going to change. I think I'm going to go... I'm going to, I think I'm going to go the Raiders. Yep. Well, I've got the Cowboys this game. I, I, I think they'll be too good for them, the Raiders. All right. Um... It's a hard one to pick that one. Um, for the Friday night it game, is. first up, this is a 4pm. This is not a hard one to pick. The traditional Easter Friday, Good Friday game, it's Souths versus the Bulldogs. I don't think this will be a hard one for us to pick. Souths are $1.28. No. Bulldogs are $3.75. Bulldogs have 10.5 points start. I am going to go Souths, but I think this game will be closer than most teams think because I think the Bulldogs are playing, at least defensively, they're showing up, and Souths' attack don't look fantastic at the moment. So I can't see Souths running up a cricket score. But I think Souths will get up because they've just got a little bit more too much class. But I think this game will be closer than people think. I agree with you. I think it'll be Souths by maybe 10 points or so. I, I wouldn't say Souths have been overly impressive this year. They're winning a couple of games because they've got a little bit more talent, I think, than some of the other sides. Um, the Bulldogs defensively have really tried hard in all the games. They're... they're they're um you know they've got they're spirited but their attack is just poor you know they've had the ball out of their second in the comp with south with tackles inside the 20 right so they've got the field position they're playing the field position game but so what if you can't do anything with it and i think this will be another version of this game um the bulldogs will try to control possession heavy forward orientated game and i think the rabbitos with tarfe will actually have a little bit too much for the bulldogs 
Um, but a, a relatively close game. I, I think, I think you're I, right. I think it'll be a close game. Close South, South, South for me. South to win. Another game that I don't think will be close, though. Panthers versus the Broncos. The Broncos are playing well. I mean, but I just can't. The, the Panthers are so good, right? They're not going to lose this game. So I've got the Panthers in this one. Not because Broncos aren't going well, but only because there's just a massive gulf between the teams. I actually think the Broncos are going okay at the moment. The Broncos are going okay. I, I think they've had a couple of challenges. I thought they struggled for They're inconsistent, like you said. They've had a couple of games where they've played quite well and a couple of games where you think, geez, are they reverting back to last year? But then, you know, they came up with that great performance against the Roosters where they should have won the game. I don't know. Maybe it's just the Roosters bring the best out of them. But the, the, like you say, the golfing class between these two teams is just no contest. Broncos will have a, a real go, but the Panthers are just going to be too good. Didn't look amazing against the Bulldogs, but that's because they were just ruthless, methodical, and they're a machine. So Panthers for sure. Panthers. Now, the next game is another one that's really hard to pick for me, and this is only two games on shitty Saturday. Um, and it's Manly versus the Titans um, in the who in the who knows derby. Um, it's a dollar fifty four to Manly, two dollars fifty to the Titans. Titans have five and a half points start. So this is a little bit like the Raiders Cowboys game for me. When I break this down, I go. The Titans are actually playing better than Manly, but they've got to come to Lotto Land, and Manly's very, always very good at Lotto Land, or whatever it's called now, Points Bet Four Stadium. Pines Park, apparently, yeah. Four Pines Park. Can't keep uh, up with this, yeah. Yeah, Brookvale Oval. Yeah, Brookvale Oval, that's better. You know, I, I, I don't think Manly have looked fluid, and Tommy Turbo's out, and they usually don't play well with Tommy Turbo. And Manly, you know, I, I do think they should have lost to the Knights if the Knights could have held on to the ball. So all other things being equal, I've picked the Titans, but it's at home for Manly, and that's what kind of sways me towards Manly a little bit. This is a hard, a very hard game for me because I have no faith in the Titans. Uh, Super Jimmy Dimmick and Justin Holbrook. The defense defense and the fitness of your team is lagging, but when they decide to play footy, the Titans can do anything. So it's, like you say, it's the who knows derby and Manly... There's a few tough games this week, right? They were a little bit ordinary against... The Raiders, but... Oh, well, sorry, they were the, ordinary um, against the Knights. The Knights, and still managed they, to win they the ran, game. But they ran three tries in the last 12 minutes, right? The Knights the Knights scored three it. tries of kicks, right, yeah. as well. So the Knights, I thought, should have could have won the game. But I think I might go Manly only because it's at Brookvale Oval. I'm not... but Because I've lost confidence in the Titans because I have no idea what Titans is going to turn up week to week. That's right. If you look That's at right. the scores, and yes, even in snippets of the games, the Titans technically could have won every game. And yeah. they could have lost every game. Yeah. The games were that inconsistent within right. the game itself. Like, they're, they're all over the place. So, I have no faith. So, I'm tipping Manly in this game. All good. Okay. Ooh, this is a good game. Looking Next forward to this one. Next game is the game of the round. So, yes, and it's absolutely. on Saturday night. This is the Storm versus the Sharks. Uh, the Storm are $1.39 favourites. The Sharks are $3. The Sharks have 7.5 points start. There is one thing I will guarantee you. Craig Fitzgibbon will have the Sharks up for this game. It is in Melbourne, though. Now, yes. again, the shark. Oh, if, if I'm drawing a form line through this, I go the Sharks are actually playing more consistent footy, but I think the Storm have higher peaks on their roster, if you know what I mean. They're capable of playing at a higher level, and I think they'll. I, I'm going to tip the Storm, but I think this. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the Sharks got up. Honestly, I'm really looking forward to this game because I think the Sharks. We well, spent time about being one of the footy. best. Yes, that's right. I've been waiting for round five for the comp to shake out so I can watch a good game. Um, the Sharks have been fantastic, but they've also had a relatively easy draw t- to some degree. Well, they beat Para. Well, they did beat Para, but I mean, like that. But they've been very impressive anyway. The Sharks, but now they've got a real test. A Stormer at full strength, pretty much, and playing quite well. I think they're starting to click, and Pappenheisen's back to his old self. It's a great challenge for. 
the Sharks to see where, where they're at early in the season. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I'm tipping the Storm because I think if the Storm play up to their potential, I think they're better than the Sharks. That's what I'm saying to you. Their peak You're is right, now. yeah. Um, but I'm really interested to see how the Sharks are playing more consistently. Play. Yeah, they are. They're, they've been good in every game, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Sharks measure up in this game. It'll be great. But Storm for me. Storm for me too. All right, let's move on. There's only two games on the Saturday. Let's move on to Super Sunday. Yeah. Um, and the first game, actually, I think these are two good games for different reasons. I think the Roosters versus Warriors are first. It's at the Sydney. Oh, it's a, is it the SC? It's at the, it might be the SCG. SCG. Yeah. Yeah. Do, Roosters are a dollar eighteen favourites. The Warriors are five dollars outsiders. The Warriors have fourteen and a half point start. Warriors have been playing well, and the Roosters have looked very inconsistent. They've been lucky to pull a few out of the bag. I'm going to go for the Roosters because it's at home. It's Easter long weekend. A little bit like the Storm, I think their peak is a bit higher than the Warriors. But, uh, you know, again, it wouldn't surprise me if the Warriors got up in this one. Yeah, the Roosters, I'm I'm keeping faith with the Roosters because I, I just believe that they're slowly going to find their way back into a clinical machine because I think Luke Keery, it's still early for him. He's got a new combo with Sam Walker. Sam Walker's probably a different player to who, to what he's played with before as well. I don't think the Roosters' halves have been good this season. No, I wouldn't say. They've been inconsistent. I think the Roosters, you're right, have been inconsistent. There's a couple of games now where it's been the Joey Manu show where he's taken over essentially two games in a row at a particular point in time. Joey, Joey, keep going, buddy. I can tell you there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yep, I've been carrying this is. pod for three years. <laughs> and, um, but the Warriors, I love SJ, love Cody Nicarima, but they're a little bit too, I would SJ say, conservative and Cody have sent us a message saying that um, they would like to have a little bit of privacy from you. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'll give them the privacy. Um, but the Roosters... I mean, they yes, said the, the weirdest moment was when they forgot a towel and you just handed it over to them. On the sidelines, you know, they come off and they're sweating. They need to cool off before they go back on. So, but the Roosters, I think, made a, are going to be a little bit too good for, for the Warriors defensively. And also, I think I'm expecting a little bit more from their attack in this game. Okay, well, I'm tipping the Roosters as well, but not as confident as G. The ga- the Channel 9 game, oh no, it's the 6pm game on Sunday, Is at, it's at Cogra, is the Dragons versus the Knights. That We could see a new record for handling errors in this game. It could be <laughs> 600 handling errors. We'll be grateful to see one completed set. The Dragons are the favourites at $1.65 and the Knights are outsiders at $2.25. The Knights have three and a half points start. I'm surprised the Dragons are the favourites. I've got to be honest. Although the Knights can't score a bloody try at the moment. I, I, I don't know which way to go on this one. I have no idea. I've been disappointed in the last couple of games by the Dragons. I think the changes that Griff... What, have you been excited by the Knights? No, they haven't worked. But I think the Knights... Oh, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm tipping the Knights. I just have no faith in the way the Dragons have played. I think... They've come out again with Mbai at fullback, Bird at 5'8", and I don't think it's helped their game in any way. What's Amone and Sloan done to Griff? They're young, and I think maybe well, you so, believe that's having it? a running... That's, that, what, that's it? Because they're young? Well, I don't know. Not, is it... not good enough? I don't know. Tarek Sims is back to, you know, his old self, so I don't understand why... I thought they looked better with Jack Bird in the back row. It gave them a little bit more I agree more with variety. that. I, th- I don't think Jack so, Bird's been the problem. So what's happened now is they've got Sims, Suar, and DeBellin in the back row, and they've lost the ball-playing ability out of the back row, and they're relying, again, too much on Jack DeBellin, whereas I thought when you had Jack DeBellin and Jack Bird, it gave you a runner but also a playmaker on either edge, along with Amone and Ben Hunt, and they've become far more predictable, I think, and they're struggling. They've got no thrust from fullback because Mbai doesn't have that in his game anymore. And you love that word. Poor. I love it. And um, McCulloch has... Thrust. I do, and uh, McCulloch's been poor at hooker. 
So I'm tipping the Knights only have because you, have you I'm thought not... about thrusting with other people. I have. Um, have you? Have you? What have you, yep. what have your thoughts been? I ask them if they're playing fullback first. Do you? Yes, I do. So I'm tipping the Knights. Yes, that's right. I'm tipping the Knights. Okay, that was a long way to get to you picking the Knights. It was. I'm just disappointed in the Dragons. We we think they have a good squad, but they're playing poorly. The reason why these previews take so long is because you're thinking as you're talking. That is not entirely true, but continue. It is not entirely incorrect either. Go. Okay. And the huge clash of the weekend. <laughs> the big game. Monday clash. A bank west. Even if the Easter Bunny himself or herself turns up for the West Tigers, the Eels are still winning. I think, I think after beating a 14-man Tiger Titans team last week, <laughs> it's going to take the Tigers the 20 worst. people. So Eels are $1.07 favourites. The Tigers are $9 outsiders. They have 20.5-point start. Look, I think the Eels will win. These games tend to be closer than people give it credit for. So I, I don't, don't think, think the Eels are going to flog them, actually. I don't think I they'll flog don't. them either. I don't think they'll flog them either. And I think, but I do think the Eels get up in the end. I think they're, they're the, the, for me, the Tigers are really down on confidence. And I said this at the end of last season when I looked at their roster and I said they were going to be the Wooden Spooners. They just have players. If you who go are back, either... remember when the teams were eliminated? I said the Tigers are going to yeah. finish last next year. They either have players that are kind of not quite what they were and you're hoping that they return to form from three years ago or they have youngsters that still need seasoning and they may turn into something. They kind of just don't have a, a settled squad that can compete. They, they've got um, varying degrees of ability in the team and people who are at different levels and it's not helping. Like, you know, James Roberts, but James Roberts hasn't been James Roberts for three, four years. You know, Luke Brooks is not... Even Luke Brooks from a few years ago, despite his flaws. James Tamau is not James Tamo from a few years ago. Like, they're relying on these guys to still be good. Because they're older. They're older. They're not quite the same. It's just, you know, it's just not working. They're trying hard, and that's why I think the game will be close. But the Eels just got too much class, right? All right, we're, we're, we're record- are you going to be able to get this out before the first game on Thursday? We are recording a bit later than normal. We're recording on Tuesday um, because um, just because of work commitments and the other like. But um, Yep. That, that actually brings us to the end of what we thought would be a very quick podcast, but we actually started this There's last There's too much Sunday. news. Too much news, too much ridiculousness throughout the week. Streakers, flares, Phil Gould revealing that he's actually coaching the team and not Trent Barrett. It's just sensational. It, is, it has been a big week. All right. Thank <laughs> you once again for joining us, G. Um, just make a promise to our listeners you won't streak this week at the footy. I won't. I won't. I'm saving it up for State of Origin. Great. Or oh, Magic Round. Magic Mike Round. It's well, going to be Magic G Round. We are going yeah, up Magic to Magic G Round. Magic G Round. Yep. Um, to the people we're going up there with, um, Val, Cuts and Action, uh, you've heard it here first. G will be streaking at Magic Round. See you, G. Thank you. See you. Bye. <laughs>